0: Last week, we began a short series looking at Jesus' focus on generosity in some of the stories found only in Luke's Gospel. Today, we look at another story with a very similar focus. Luke chapter 10. Go ahead and grab your Bibles and flip to that. I'll begin reading the story, and I'm sure you will catch up. Luke chapter 10, the beginning in verse 25. One day... An expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Jesus told him, Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw a man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A Levite, a temple assistant, walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you next time I'm here. Now, Jesus asked, Which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, go and do the same. We're looking at Jesus' emphasis on generosity, and this story speaks of generosity. But generous what? Having heard it, just now, generous what? what? What is the generosity in here? Legitimate question. Generous love, generous mercy, generous compassion, okay. Mercy, compassion, anything else? Time? Money? What was it? Finances? Great, you guys just preached my sermon. A closing song? Generous mercy and compassion was the first thing I saw when I read it. And, you know, if if that was what we stuck with, that'd be fine. Because for many who read this text, that is the emphasis. Generous compassion. It's evident. It's obvious in here. But is that the focus of the story? Many would say the focus of the story is Jesus answering the question, Who is my neighbor? And Jesus does this. Answers the expert in religious law's question by telling this wonderful story, the story we've come to call the Good Samaritan. Now, is Jesus' answer to that question the focus of the story? Many people would argue yes, and I'd say they're probably correct. That's definitely one of the focuses, or the foci. But is that the only focus? Since so as we're looking at the stories where Jesus brings to light aspects of generosity, it could very easily be said that this story focuses on generous neighborliness and generous compassion, or generous mercy. But as I read this passage over and over this past week, I saw something else. I saw something more, something that several of you said right off the bat. Beyond generous neighborliness, beyond generous compassion, I think Jesus was focusing on generous love. And after all, when the expert in religious law was asked by Jesus how he read the law, listen to his answer, verse 26 and 27. Jesus replied, how does the law, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man, said, the man answered, you must love. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with everything, and love your neighbor as yourself. What a brilliant answer given by this expert in religious law. Taken directly from the pages of Scripture, Leviticus 19 and Deuteronomy 6, Jesus himself in Matthew 22 would quote these same two verses when asked what the greatest commandment was. Jesus saw the brilliance in this man's answer, the correctness of it, so listen to what he tells the man. Verse 28. Right, Jesus told him. Do this, and you will live. <clears throat> Do this. Do this. Do what you have just said. Love God. Love others. Love generously. What exactly does that look like? Loving generously. Keep your finger here in Luke chapter 10 and flip over with me to 1 Corinthians 13. This is the classic biblical chapter on love. It's often preached at weddings. Uh, Riley did a good job preaching it at Rainey's wedding this last Sunday. It's often given as the simple definition of what it means to love. 1 Corinthians 13, beginning in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Did you see it? Seriously, did did you see it? We just saw in 1 Corinthians 13 the story of the Good Samaritan penned with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by the Apostle Paul, but it's right there in 1 Corinthians 13, the story of the Good Samaritan. Some of you are thinking, wait a minute, I've got my finger in Luke chapter 10. Isn't that where that story is told? The words are in red. That means Jesus told it, not Paul. What Jesus tells in the story of Luke 10, he tells the story of what generous love is. And Paul's definition of love is is lived out by the Good Samaritan. Jesus tells the story of what generous love is, and Paul's definition of love is lived out by the Good Samaritan. Let's take a look. <coughs> Excuse me. Love is patient, Paul writes. Love is patient. In our story today, we see a man who was walking away from Jerusalem, down towards Jericho. Now this literally was down. The elevation drop between the two cities was about 3,000 feet over the course of about 17 miles. That's pretty steep of drop. There'd be a lot of loose rock, a lot of watching your step, a lot of carefully, patiently being purposeful with each stride. That's not where the best demonstration of patience comes in. It comes after the half-dead man has already been passed over twice by people who should have stopped to help. Flip back over to Luke chapter 10, and we're in verse 31. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed over to the other side of the road and passed him by. Now a temple assistant or a Levite walked over, looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. So going over to him, going over to him, that means breaking stride. That means slowing the donkey. That means stopping. When every ounce of that Samaritan is probably telling him, don't stop here. You're in a a routine. You're in a pattern right now. Don't stop. And besides that, this road is known for bandits and hoodlums. I would imagine seeing someone roughed up on the side of that road was not all that uncommon a sight. So this Samaritan, he demonstrated great patience to stop. And especially since one of the tactics often used by those thugs was to to put a, a decoy out there in the road, hoping that someone would stop and then they would jump him. Now the Samaritan's patience continues as he helps the man. We're in verse 34. Going over to him, the Samaritan man soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. The smart thing for the Samaritan to do would have been to grab the beaten up man from the seated position on his donkey, kind of pull him up behind the saddle like you see in the western movies, and and keep going. That would have been the smart and the safer thing to do. But instead of smart and safe, the Samaritan demonstrated generous love. He demonstrated generous love through his patience. I would have taken patience to soothe the wounds and then bandage them. I would imagine someone who looked half dead had more than just a black eye. There was wounds to be soothed all over the body. So carefully, methodically, lovingly, this Samaritan man demonstrated great patience in his care for the beaten man. Generous love is patient. Generous love is kind. Now we could simply say, look at what one man did for the other when he showed kindness. But I want to push that just a little bit further. What character trait did the expert in religious law pick up on? When Jesus told the story, what did he see? Again, legitimate question. That's Mercy, there we go. There we go. This is a little hesitant answer. I think it says mercy. Yes, mercy. He said, the one who showed mercy. Now, God was speaking to his people in the Old Testament through the prophet Zechariah when he declared this in chapter 7, verse 9. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Judge fairly and show mercy and kindness to one another. Mercy and kindness, two traits linked together by God Himself in Scripture. So, by showing mercy, the Samaritan was living a generous love demonstrated as kindness. (coughs) Excuse me, one second. We see love is patient. Generous love is kind. Generous love is not jealous, not boastful, and not proud. This Samaritan man had every right to be proud and boastful. You see, he, much like the other man who had gotten beaten up, was apparently traveling alone. One commentator says that that showed the carelessness of the man that was beaten up. With all the danger on the trail, you just, you're not supposed to travel alone. But mention of the Samaritan tells of no, one tra- no traveling companions with him either, right? So what makes one person get jumped and the other one not? Uh, we don't really know. I'm going to speculate here a little bit. I bet the Samaritan could very easily have walked right on by, kind of prideful, kind of boastful, thinking to himself, I must be a tougher looking man than that guy. I must walk stronger I must be more intimidating. I must have what it takes to scare away the hoodlums. (coughs) Excuse me. Obviously, this weak and scrawny man does not have that. Obviously, he walks in a way that screams target, that screams easy prey, that screams walking victim. But no, not me. I am Samaritan man. Hear me roar. Right? He could have done that boastfully and pridefully. But it appears he did not think this. It appears there was no jealousy in his looking at the other man's condition. No boastfulness or pride was displayed through his actions. So we see that generous love is patient. Generous love is kind. Generous love is not jealous, boastful, or proud. And generous love does not demand its own way. Generous love is not self-seeking. Coming upon this man who was beaten up on the side of the road, the Samaritan man did not think only of his own well-being. He did not demand his own way. Had he, he would have kept right on walking. I've already said that the the trail was dangerous. So to stop meant more time for the same thugs who did the first beating to come back around for for another round. What a great target this Samaritan would have been. Many scholars think he was a merchant. And they think that because they ask, why else would he be coming from Jerusalem? He wasn't up there to worship. The Samaritans didn't worship in Jerusalem, they worshiped elsewhere. And on top of that, you look at what the man has. He's got oil and wine, and he's got the material to make bandages. I'm guessing those aren't just standard in the donkey first aid kit. Okay? But I'm guessing that wait, wait, there's even a donkey. Oftentimes, merchants would have donkeys, not just normal travelers. The merchants would have the donkeys to to carry their wares. So if this guy were a merchant, it would have made like logical sense for him just to keep walk on by. I mean, we could have said to him, dude, think about yourself. You're putting yourself in danger, and more than that, you're putting the goods that you sell in danger. Be self-seeking. Think of you and your stuff. The Samaritan did not do that. The Samaritan could have soothed the wounds of the man, bandaged them, and then told the beaten up man to walk beside the donkey while he rode it. It was his donkey, right? Self-seeking. He had probably spent the week in Jerusalem working. His his feet would have been tired. That ride down the hill would have been nice on his feet. But he says something else. Verse 34 Going over to him, the Samaritan man soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, and he took him to an inn where he took care of him. In a non-self-seeking way, he let the man ride his donkey. Then the story tells us he quickly dropped him off at the door of the inn, and he kept going to Jericho as fast as he could, because you know there was a farmer's market there, and he was losing time. So we kept going, right? That's what it says? No. No. When we, present day, when we think of ourselves, I think it's fairly common for us to think of two things. Our time and our money. Does that sound about right? When someone asks us to do something, we usually say, well, how much time is it going to take us? And what's it going to cost? I'm not saying that's self-seeking. I'm just saying that's self-seeking. Maybe, forgive me, but maybe I'm the only one that struggles with that. Maybe I'm the only one that when asked if I'll do something, and looking at my own time, my own money, I demand my own way. But the Samaritan, his time, his money, the Samaritan did not demand his own way. He loved generously. He gave up his donkey. He gave up extra time by staying that one night in the inn. He gave up his money by paying those two silver coins, which most scholars say would have been enough to care for the man for several weeks. Verse 35. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, two denarii, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. I mean, Talk about not thinking of yourself. This Samaritan was entering into a contract with a motel owner that had all the say in how much it was going to cost for the man. I mean, who knows if the motel manager was honest? Who knows if he wanted to pad his own pockets and, and claim that it took a lot more money to, to, to heal this man than it really did? Any wise business investor would tell you, don't enter into a deal like that. You, you set the price, I'll pay whatever you ask for it. Anybody good with money in here? Is that the way, I mean, you get a deal like that, and you think, "Ooh, I want, I want to do that. You tell me what it's going to cost, and I'll just pay whatever." This Samaritan man was not self-seeking. He was loving generously. Let's recap just in case you've dozed off in the last 10-15 minutes. Here's what we're looking at. We're looking at how, in the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus is showing how loving your neighbor as yourself and loving God requires a generous love. With that love being defined by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13. We've seen so far that generous love is patient, it's kind, it's not jealous or boastful or proud, it does not demand its own way. A generous love keeps no record of wrong. Does not rejoice in injustice. I wonder how many times before the Samaritan man in our story had been shunned, ridiculed, mocked, harassed by the Jews. You see, Jews and Samaritans hated each other. There was bad blood between them. I don't have enough time to to give the history of why, but trust me on this. Jews did not like Samaritans, Samaritans did not like Jews. The story of the woman at the well in John chapter 4 demonstrates clearly the relationship between the two groups. John 4 verse 9, The woman was surprised when Jesus asked her for a drink, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. Jesus himself, when he sent out the twelve on a mission, told them, Don't go to the Samaritans. Jews and Samaritans, there was no love lost between them. Now, it's assumed though not explicitly stated in our text, it is assumed that the man who was beaten up was a Jew. So it would have been perfectly understandable if the Samaritan man had walked right on by, inwardly cheered a bit for the injustice done to the Jew. It would have been perfectly acceptable if the Samaritan had recalled to mind all the times that he had been mistreated and walked by that guy and said, look who's laughing now, buddy. Ha! He didn't do that. He loved generously, and he kept no record of being wronged. In fact, this Samaritan lived out Jesus' sermon on the plain better than the two Jews that had walked by did. Jesus said in Luke chapter six, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. It was as if the good Samaritan knew what else the Apostle Paul would one day write. Colossians three: twelve, Paul writes. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Generous love keeps no record of wrong, it's patient, it's kind. It's not jealous. It doesn't demand its own way. It keeps no record of wrong. Generous love never gives up. It's always hopeful. Verse 34 and 35. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you next time I'm here. In those two verses, it's easy to see the never-give-up attitude of the Samaritan. He soothed the bandage and cared for the man's wounds, stayed the extra night in the motel, perhaps until that beaten man was was a little bit uh, or in less life-threatening condition. And then he gave the the, the front desk clerk money to continue caring for the hurting man, and he essentially said, I'm not going to give up on him i'm coming back through here in the future and i have full hope this guy will be full hope that this guy will be fully recovered and i'm going to pay you to prove that hope i'm going to pay you to show that i don't give up that's generous love full of hope never giving up So far from 1 Corinthians 13, we've seen quite a few things that generous love is. The next thing generous love does is it never loses faith. Now, one of the differences between the Jews and the Samaritans was how much of Scripture they saw as authoritative. The Jews, they they saw everything from Genesis up through our entire Old Testament as God's Word. But the Samaritans, they only claimed the first five books as as holy, as, as sacred. We know that the Jews were very good at following their law. But there's many scholars that believe that the Samaritans followed their laws even more so. If that's the case, I have to ask if the actions of the Samaritan were evidence of him never losing faith. In Deuteronomy, which of course is one of the first five books, Scripture told the Samaritans, If you see that your neighbor's donkey or ox has collapsed on the road... Do not look the other way. Go and help your neighbor get it back on its feet. In a different passage in Exodus, which is also in the first five, Exodus 23, it says, If you come upon your enemy's ox or donkey that is strayed away, take it back to its owner. If you see that the donkey of someone who hates you has collapsed under its load, do not walk by. Instead, stop and help. I realize that a collapsed man and a collapsed donkey on the side of the road are two drastically different things, but could it be that the Samaritan was reading his scriptures generously? Could it be he believed that if God were to say that about an ox of an enemy, how much more God would say if a person who was your enemy has stumbled on the side of the road, stop to help them up. I think a case could be made that This is demonstrating never losing faith. So generous love is patient. Generous love is kind. It's not jealous, boastful, or proud. It does not demand its own way. Generous love keeps no record of wrong. It never gives up. Never loses faith. It's hopeful. And generous love endures through every circumstance. Every circumstance. Even when walking on a downhill slope, when you're given a choice to pull off to the side of the road in a high-risk, high-danger area to provide a life-giving support to a person you'd normally call an enemy. Does love endure that type of circumstance? This Samaritan man loved generously. Luke chapter 10, generous love. I see the story of the Good Samaritan slightly different than I did a week ago. But so what? So what? What does that that mean to us? I finished last week's message asking you this question. I asked, how are you living generously? I could very easily just change that I to an O and ask this question. How are you loving generously? Does your love look like what we see on TV or in the papers? Or does it look like what we have found in a despised Samaritan man? The Bible tells us that God loved the world so much he was willing to give his only son. He did that doing whatever it took to get us and his creation back in right relationship with himself. We could very easily say that God chose to love generously by going to the cross for us in Jesus Christ. When Jesus raised His arms outstretched, He very easily could have been saying, I choose to love you generously. So my question this morning that I'll leave us with is how are we responding to God's generous love? Are we responding back to Him in the same type of generousness that He has showed us? Are we responding back to others with that same type of love? Love God. Love others. This was the expert in religious law's answer. Theologian N.T. Wright says, No church, no Christian, can remain content with easy definitions which allow us to watch most of the world lying half-dead on the road. Today's preachers, today's defenders of the gospel must find fresh ways of telling the story of God's love which will do for our day what this brilliant parable did for Jesus' first hearers. Will your life tell a story in a fresh and appealing way? How are you living out God's love generously? Let's pray. Father, that, that simple childhood song says, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. This morning we have seen a picture of that love. Both in a definition written by an Apostle Paul, and also in the story that Jesus tells of a despised Samaritan man who chose to love generously. We want to love that same way. We want to be able to love you and love others as generously as one stranger did to another on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. God, we all have the paths that we walk. And I ask that this week, You would give us opportunity to love generously. I ask this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.